Hi, this is John Cackley with Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Today I'm talking with my colleagues, Hillary Lee, Lisa Cribbs, Roshan Stawi, and Jennifer Hill about building and maintaining trust. I want to start off just sort of, you know, what does trust mean, uh, mean to us, uh, especially sort of in a business and consulting context? So, uh, Jen, do you want to kick us off? What, do you, what does trust mean to you? I guess the best way I can describe trust to me is just to give out some other words that I that I kind of correlate along with trust. So it's things like, you know, belief in a person. I think trust also includes a belief in someone's character, the strength that you see a person has, be it in their skill set or, or in what they desire to achieve, and is that consistent with what you want. So, so I think um, trust to me, comes down to, you know, do I believe in that person? Do I believe that person will have my back? Right. Lisa, what do you think? What, what does trust mean to you? I think of trust as being a primary component of a relationship of any sort. And I think that consultant, consulting and being in a profession, any type of business, is all about relationships. I think there are two major things that we as consultants need to do when we land at a client. One is to build connections, and the other is to establish credibility. And both of those things are acts of trust on both sides. Hillary, what do you think? What does trust mean to you? So for me, I, I personally believe that trust is, is deeply personal. I think it's really something that takes a lot for people to build, but it's also something that uh, really stems from how you inherently were raised. So whether you're able to trust someone and kind of how, how your life has sort of been up to that point when you are trusting someone determines how, how easily and how well you'll trust someone innately. It's someone where you feel like you can be almost a, a true self. So whether you're in a personal situation or you're in a client situation, it's whether there is that level of openness mm -hmm. truly there in a safe way, is it being demonstrated between the two individuals? Roshan, how about you? What does trust mean to you? Um, I, actually, I really do agree with Hill on that. I, I think it really is kind of the bedrock or the foundation for any kind of relationship, whether it's personal or uh, a business or professional relationship, and for different reasons. There is obviously that support level that you're going to have. So I think that drives some of the, your behaviors as well as seeing what other people's behaviors are. So if you trust somebody, you're going to behave in a certain way. And if you don't, you're certainly going to behave in a certain way. At least I, I'm, I'm going to take that as from a, a me perspective. I know if I don't trust somebody, then I'm going to either hold back or I'm going to you know, be very leery about doing certain things. But if I do trust somebody, then what I do would might mean going above and beyond, maybe taking a risk, maybe you know doing something that I wouldn't normally do. So part of what you just said with trust is the idea that you are f maybe more free to do something or, or you you don't limit certain things you do. You're, you're going to go a little bit, maybe a little further out, a little riskier or a little more open. Mm -hmm. Is that what mm -hmm. you'd say? Yeah. So the different ideas here. I heard trust is credibility. It's somebody is responsible. I may have misinterpreted something from from Jen there. Openness, or at least there's openness in that in the axis of that relationship. There's sort of a true self, a safe communication. Is alignment important? Does somebody does somebody have to have the same goals as you to be trustworthy? No. So there's one. 
And I think one of the questions you had, John, is, you know, what do you, what do you describe it as or what's going to get you to that point? And it's, for me, toggle or toggle between thinking, you know, there's actions. So for me, if there's people that are going to continually be reliable and that are going to, that I know have my best interest at heart, but are also going to be transparent with me, that gives me a level of trust. Somebody says, hey, we really, you know, this is the best project and we really want to do this. We want to engage you guys. They come back and they say, you know what, I'm going to be transparent with you. We either can't afford it. We can't, you know, this is not the right direction for the company. At least if they're transparent with me, then I have a, a level of trust rather than coming back and telling me that or me finding out from another mechanism that the project didn't go through or something that I was looking for didn't go through. So we might not have had the same goal that I'm going to tend to be much more trusting in that situation. You can definitely be adversaries, for lack of a better word, in trying to resolve a problem, right? So you come to the table, you've got a problem, and I might have one perspective, someone might have an entirely different perspective time over time over time. But if I can come to the table and know that we both have the right intentions and we both are laying it out together, knowing everything between the two of us, we can achieve that best result. So then we can team. If we truly trust in each other, you know, and believe in each other, we can then team together to find out that right answer. What behaviors build trust? Lisa, what do you, what do you think? What behaviors build trust either direction in a relationship? If you want to get trust, you have to give trust. And yeah. um, okay. take, taking that leap first will tend to drive people to trust you. I, I practice this in coaching all of the time. I give of myself kind of, and I'll, I'll trust people to tell them about me and my experience, and then that helps them to share with me their experience. I found that to be pretty true across the board. Right, yeah, I've seen that a lot too, not necessarily at a trust level, but it's it's all the same sort of thing. You know, what I call sort of high-risk communication. You, you tell someone something about yourself, you're not always sure what the reaction is, and, and you usually get a positive reaction, get people warm to that. So yeah. that's, that's a great point. If you're, you're, you share of yourself, and most of the time people will take that as an indicator that you're worthy of their trust. Hill, what do you think? What, uh, what behaviors do you think build trust? You know, whether I'm in a client, a, you know, a professional or, or a personal instance is, is a no-judgment zone. I reserve judgment as much as I possibly can. I, I want to create the moment for that individual to feel truly open and know that they can share with me what they want to share or they can tell me about the problem that they're having or the situation and that, you know, there won't be uh, an instant judgment, right, that will, would potentially, you know, characterize them, you know, in a different way. And so that, for me, I, I think is, is really, really an important behavior when you're, when you're trying to build trust, especially if the relationship is young and, you know, kind of in its infancy. I would definitely say no, no, no judgment. Okay. Roshan, what do you think? Well, I had a situation where I had two people working for me, and they were in a pretty bad situation when I first started. So I said, look, I know you guys aren't know me from Adam. You've had hard situations before, so... I will do things that I'm going to try and earn your trust. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick up for you. I'm going to listen to what you have to say, but I'm also going to give you feedback. And that feedback is going to be constructive feedback so that we can work together and help you get to the next level. So some of those kind of things where if I'm going to give feedback, then I have to also expect feedback 
as well. So I'd ask for feedback. You know, is this working for you? Is this not working for you? Or is there a different way that I need to tailor my feedback? Jen, anything to add on this question? Trust takes time. You're not going to be able to walk in to a stranger and have instant rapport, instant trust, and, and, and all of that, right? It, it's difficult to achieve, but it's worth it. I would also mention that I think body language becomes really important because if we're walking around all day long with our arms folded and not looking at people in the eye, that's not going to show that you know, other people right off that we're approachable. And I think to build trust, you need to be approachable. Okay, a lot of, a lot of cool ideas on building trust. Let's talk about what happens that erodes trust. I think for me, I look at people and I analyze what their actions are as opposed to their intentions. And so if I see people who, have, who consistently have actions that don't align with their stated intention, it creates sort of a discontinuity for me that challenges me with trusting them. If they're so self-focused that they're unable to empathize or have compassion for others, I find that challenging to trust that. So have not direct communication, we have uh, being self-focused. Uh, Hill, what do you think? Jen mentioned a little bit earlier, it's, uh, it's reading their, their physical language. If I notice that I've been having a conversation with that person and up until this point, I've had really good eye contact, I've had really good open body language with them, really good mirroring, and all of a sudden we're having a conversation about topic X and I'm noticing a change in their behavior, their physical behavior. It, it, it in, inherently sends up red flags for me as I'm always, I always am analyzing that body language and, and reading it and listening to it. And, and sometimes I'm doing that on, on a subconscious level and I haven't even gotten to the point yet where some sort of way I'm, I'm, I'm being misled, right? I said no judgment earlier, but, <laughs> but, so I apologize for that. But really what I mean- You're assessing, you're not judging. You're yeah, not making a moral statement. You're, uh, you right. still have to do some analysis. It's more of a comparing of how their physical language was coming across to you initially when you felt like you had that trust, that trust relationship, right, versus where they, where they are now. And kind of doing a little bit of a compare and contrast to, okay, what were we doing when we were trusting and, and, and what am I seeing now? All right, great. Jen, how about you? We've talked a lot about kind of interaction, you know, one-on-one -on -one interaction or maybe in a group interaction with you. The other thing that can be kind of interesting is if you consider, you know, if you are in charge of a team of people and there's one person that always comes to you to talk about another person on the team, right, over and over again. Did you see that person? Why did they do that? Or why did they do this? Or can you believe that? If it happens enough over time, really would erode my trust in that person because I do believe that. You know, if a person is going to act a certain way to you, they may do that to you as well. Let's throw out an example here. If you guys jump on it. Somebody says they're going to do something, they, they don't do it. They don't follow through or they don't, don't deliver something they've promised. Is that something that would damage trust or is it something besides trust? I would, I would say that that's going to chip away at your trust relationship, but it probably drives more to your accountability and to your, your expectations of that individual. I think that's a really interesting question. It, it kind of depends for me. There are times when somebody can make a promise to you and then fail to achieve whatever that was, and I would still trust them. It, it depends on whether the thing that they promised was within their control or not, and then I would be also looking at their intention a little bit. That said, um, I guess I'm not very judgy in that space. <laughs> I think I think there. I think a lot of a lot of times 
I may be more flexible than the average person in that space and maybe to my detriment sometimes, particularly if you're accountability partnering with somebody for them to achieve a goal. Like, oh, you know, they want to lose weight and they promise they're going to do their exercise this week and they don't achieve that. Does that, is, that a, is that a trust problem? Maybe not. But then again, you know, if they promise to pick up your kid from school and they fail to do that, that's, you know, there, there, there are differences in the types of things that you might be promising to do maybe. Right. So some of what you've got there is is capability to deliver, but also sort of consequence of it as well, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about a time where you lost someone's trust or saw someone who did and, and then had to rebuild it. What did it take? What happened? So it was a client situation. There was a decision made to close a certain geographical region. She'd been really busy. She told me about it, uh, but it was a conversation. We, we, didn't, uh, we didn't have any email chains on this. A couple weeks later, and it was kind of surfaced, but it was this completely forbidden topic, you know, so it was, nobody was talking about it. Uh, the executives were only on a need-to-know basis in terms of, of what was going to happen, and she hadn't yet asked for us to, uh, to close that, that office and take her through that change for her, but it was sort of a, a kind of a said, hey, this is, should have this, you know, have this be on your radar, and you know, she and I were in a one-on-one, -on -one and I, I brought up the, the closing of, of that geographical location. And I said, hey, you know, where, where are we with that? CEO, really busy, lots going on. And she looked like I'd, like, slapped her across the face. Still to this day, we have a very trustworthy uh, relationship, and, and everything we've done is based on, based on an innate trust of each other. And she just looked like I'd, like, pulled the rug out from under her. She's like... How do you know that? And I was like, well, we talked about it in our last one-on-one, -on -one, you know, about four weeks ago. And, you know, according to your transition timeline, your transformation timeline, you know, you, you, we might need to start working on this. And she's like, oh, my God. She's like, I didn't know you knew. And, you know, she's like, do you think other people knew? But she had this whole moment where, you know, I was watching her go through this feeling of, oh, my God, I can't trust you, Hill. How did you find that out? You know, we kind of we had to talk through it, and, and she finally remembered that we'd had that conversation and the context of it. You know, but there was this moment where, you know, there was this large corporate secret, you know, that she was very worried had somehow, you know, slipped out, and then I was coming back and asking her about it. And you could see her going through this analysis in her brain of, of Oh my God, can I trust you? What what suddenly happened? It was both, you know, kind of awful at the time, but also was really good in the long run because, you know, she she was able to understand that we, we really actually did have a trusting relationship. So there wasn't emails or monitors, so there wasn't anything in email. She felt better about it, but you you know, I had this moment where I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, spent years building this and it looks like it just got shattered me asking one follow-up question to a conversation we'd had four weeks ago and did you feel a little nervous over the next you oh, know, yeah. it, was, it was definitely i was definitely nervous in the conversation but i also was like oh my god i'm so sorry that you you know are thinking that you know you can't trust me so your approach there was you stayed calm and you know, yeah. you were just trying to you were trying to stick to facts of exactly. Okay. She later apologized a, a little while there. I thought, oh my God, 
she wasn't trusting of the situation for a little while, and I, I had to I had to work pretty hard there to get us back to the to the righteous, trustworthy path. So, Jen, how about you? Um, I think many times when a situation like that comes up, where either there's a gap in what what someone thought you were going to deliver and what you delivered, or to something changed and it was outside of your control. However, it still created that gap, be it a communication gap or a deliverable gap, whatever the case is. A couple of things to think about is, you know, one, stay calm, right? Don't seek to be reactive and justify and say, well, no, 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 you said this, you said this, you said that, that's why I'm right. That is not the time to do that, right? It's really to, again, go back to working together, the foundation of trust and the foundation of your relationship to begin with is, okay, so let the person vent, let the person clear their mind of whatever they need to, and then work through it. You know, so it goes back to, you know, are emails most effective or text messages most effective in that regard? Probably not. <laughs> you know, sitting in front of the person, you know, like you said you did, you know, yeah, that can be uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, um, that one-on-one -on -one dialogue, that open, really, you know, diligent kind of, you know, open body language that, hey, I'm here for you, let's get through this together. Interesting, because I was trying to think about this, and I actually had a situation where I definitely lost somebody's trust, and it never came back. Same, same situation, I walked into a, not a consulting gig, but a, you know, employee arrangement, where I had two people reporting to me, and they had significant baggage that they had brought in. I recognize that early on and I said I'm going to do my best for you guys to earn my trust but that's up that's your decision I'm going to do what I need to do I think that I need to do in order to to get you to feel like I'm genuine and authentic but it, it came down to a situation where that individual had already you know he had already tuned out and no matter what I did he was still like, no, nope, this is the wrong thing. This, is, this isn't working. And for me, part of that experience was recognizing that, hey, there is only so much that I'm going to be able to do. I can't do anything more you know, out of my power to build his trust. So unfortunately, it is kind of how it is. You know, and it, it was a pretty troubling situation. He ended up leaving the company, and I think it actually was the best thing for him. I think he's actually happier, and I was trying to be as transparent with him as possible to say, look, if you're not happy, regardless of what your situation is here, then you're not going to be happy in general. So do make that decision for yourself, but while you're here, here's what I need you to do, and I, here's what I'll do to support you in that endeavor. You know, I'd go home trying to say, well, what else can I do? What, what am I doing wrong here? And I realized hey, part of that was just me. He, he, that wasn't ever going to turn around. The other gentleman, actually, though, it was a, he was also not happy, but he, and he moved on in, within the company, but he came back and said, you know what, I trust you, though. He's like, I would come work for you again if we had a different situation. I went, okay, well, so I'm not such an ogre, an idiot, <laughs> not, not how to do this stuff. So. Not every situation has a perfectly happy ending. You're, you're not going to that a that a thousand, right? Yeah. Well, so let me just also offer. I mean, I think that's a perfect example of how environment controls a lot of this, right? And um, you know, so so everyone has a different starting point in terms of where they can start on that trust spectrum, right? <laughs> Some people may 
go in and say, hey, perfect stranger, I trust you. Here, take my newborn. I'll come back in three hours. Now, others, <laughs> <laughs> others like me may not really say that. So, so it's just it all depends upon that starting point. And then on top of it is the baggage, which you're spot on, that you can come into a situation and it's just an unfortunate situation to be a part of. Does that mean your failure? You know, I have to say, I completely disagree. I don't think that was your failure at all. I think that if you go in there and you're transparent and, you know, you provide unemotional, you know, fair feedback, you really want to turn that situation around. And there's sometimes where you just don't. So you're like, okay, well, I'm going to have to, and I've done right. everything that I can. Right. I go agree ahead. with that. Right. Lisa, do you have any stories to add there? I like the stories you guys are telling. Those are great. Um, particularly... <laughs> being willing to tell one of trust law. Um, I actually was looking at a different side of it just for an interesting story. I had a situation some years ago in delivery where I was, we were, uh, several of us were brought in by the CIO of a very small company to try to put in some additional process on what they were doing and try to modernize some of their software practices. There were two people on that team that were very unhappy with these ideas. One was a manager and one was an architect. And we went through maybe six to nine months of drama with both the manager and the architect being totally aligned against the work that we were trying to do and not being very open to change, which created a fairly untrusting relationship between my team, me, and um, both of those people. Really weird and interesting thing happened. The architect came in one day, pulled us in his office, and shut the door and said, hey, I just realized I've been on the wrong team. And I, I don't want to be a pain in the ass anymore. I want to do the right thing. I'm switching sides. The thing you're doing is the right thing, and I want to participate. Now, that was interesting. <laughs> As a really interesting person who does that, right? Wow. It required us to make a leap of faith to, to trust him. And I was reflecting back on what made me trust that in the moment and then how long it took for that to actually create a trusted relationship between him and myself. One thing is that he was able to clearly articulate in that moment what he had realized and the epiphany that he had had and why he was interested in that. And so that he was sort of clearly stating an intention. And then over time, his actions met with his intention and they weren't disingenuous. That and he, he, was, he, would, he made repair attempts to try to fix the relationship that had been broken between us and the lack of trust. And I was willing to bridge that and accept those things. Right. Yeah, actually, I have a story on that that I think ties back very nicely there. Went into a client where we'd, we'd been there for a while, but the previous uh, engagement manager had, had totally burned every, every last scrap of trust that the client had. So I show up and I go in to meet the client. First day I met the client and he says, give me one reason we shouldn't fire you. So uh, my solution was uh, I begged. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't have, uh, didn't have much to, to work with there. So I, I basically said, you know, this is how I work. This is what I'll do for you. Give me a chance. That's, that, that's all I can do. Now I, and the guy gave me a chance. I, I had to do a few different things, you know, with that project that I normally wouldn't do. Uh, you know, not that I would. I'm trying to say I, I don't normally do something that's trustworthy, but I had to go sort of above and beyond. Uh, as an example, I'd also been told by the same guy who had already burned all this trust that the client couldn't be trusted. 
and that he would he was uh, he would backstab you any time any chance he he got, and so I was sort of working with you know with that as well, and I concluded that essentially what I needed to do with this guy is I had to have lunch with him every day, and he agreed to it. Basically, it was that was the time when we would meet and talk about here are my questions here you know what's going on with the project, and you know normally people know me I, I like to eat alone I don't I do not like to eat lunch. <laughs> You know, I do not like to schedule lunches with people. You know, once in a while it's great, but to do this every day. Now we didn't meet. We didn't meet every single day, but it was at least three days a week. And I got to know him. I got to know all about the you know kids he was uh, you know the foster dad for you know his background. I learned so much about him, and really, and I and I learned why, you know, the my predecessor had found him untrustworthy, and it wasn't that he was not following trustworthy behavior. It was. It was actually a, you know, something else. Basically, the what I'd been told was, you 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 coach him on all these things, and he goes into a meeting, and he just says, he just totally undermines everything you agreed on. What I discovered was the guy was so busy that he couldn't remember all the stuff you told him. So he'd go into a meeting, and he'd forget what he was supposed to say. I took a different approach to sort of coaching him and and working with a smaller set of things, and and he was great. It wasn't a matter of you know backstabbing. It was a matter of what he was prepared and capable of doing. So I read an article just uh, about three weeks ago that said that trust was almost instantaneous, you know, the, the same way that studies say that you, you, you meet somebody and you like them in 10 seconds or whatever. Same sort of thing. It said, you know, you meet someone, you decide whether you can trust them in about that amount of time. And it related it all to sort of the idea of, of warmness. I'm not sure all of what that means. Uh, what do you think? I mean, something like that suggests that it's your long-term personality. It's, it's just sort of baked into who you are, and it's not something that you can really manage or work with. I kind of feel like trust is a it's, – it's part of the human experience, and it's something in our lizard brains that we are all, <laughs> we're, we're all, we're all natively disposed to give trust to the quick look that our lizard brain gives to is this trustworthy or not. You know what I mean? It's like it's like if you your lizard brain sees a bush rustling and smells something and it's like up the tree. It's that same type of thing is always going on. Your executive brain functioning regarding trust will be different and is a slower boil. I think that the human instinct is to trust people because trust is community and community is safety. Sorry, I went all like brain chemicals on you. No, just no, there, no, but that's, that's what I think is happening. You're always making deposits in sort of a, a bank of, of goodwill. When you're not sure about the trust, you're always putting those deposits in against the time and you're going to go, okay, I screwed up or maybe you're going to misinterpret what I did, but I'm going to hope that you're going to remember that all these different things showed that I was on your side. And we, we put in those little deposits, not in a calculating fashion, but mm -hmm. as, a, as a demonstration you know, that, that we're being authentic about it. This has been Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Thanks to my panelists, Hillary Lee, Lisa Cribbs, Roshan Stowey, and Jennifer Hill, and thanks for listening.